0: We read before from the book of Colossians these words, You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If, if, Might seem very strange to you to find an if after that statement, but there is an if there. If you continue. If you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. If those people. For whom these things are true, are true and will always be true if you continue. What's Paul saying? What he's actually saying is this. A chief characteristic of those for whom these things are true is that they will continue. And that's our theme this morning in our series, The Faith of the Gospel, as we examine important truths from God's Word about what it means to be a Christian and what the message of the gospel is. And this is number 13 in our series, and we're considering this morning the doctrine that has become known as the perseverance of the saints, which is all about if you continue and remain grounded. Now this is a doctrine which when we talk about the perseverance of the saints, for some people perhaps, does it sound harsh? Does it sound like it's being a formidable challenge that's being thrown down before you? Does it sound as if your salvation depends upon you and your successful performance? Does it sound as if some aged theologian in a, in a musty study is placing a great Unchristian burden on your shoulders? Does it sound stifling? The perseverance of the saints. Is that how it comes across? Perhaps. I hope to show you this morning it's none of those things. Harsh. But Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light because he will provide you with every grace and strength that you need. A formidable challenge? Actually, it's impossible. But made possible by the indwelling power and grace of Christ, by his Spirit. Salvation based upon how you perform? No, of course not. But a life that is ever-changing and that will be preserved and kept by God... Because you've been saved. A great burden upon your shoulders. No, actually, this doctrine is a great release. When you understand that it's talking about the life that flows in one who's been born again, the life that flows in one who's been transformed and renewed by God, the outworking of God's grace in one who loves Christ and who's living his life in union with him. It's not stifling, it's liberating this doctrine and this truth. This is all part of that truth which will set you free from sin. And it's so important that we understand it correctly. Now, last time in this series, we looked at sanctification, the ongoing growth in grace in the life of every Christian every follower of Christ the doctrine of perseverance reassures you that each one of you if you're truly born again not only will that sanctifying work of God continue but you will continue right to the very end of your walk with Christ in this life and then into glory This morning in seeking to explain and open up this truth, I'm going to use three points that our Baptist forefathers used, and you find them in the London Baptist Confession. It's from the 17th century. Why am I doing that? Well, because it's a very helpful summary of this doctrine. And I'm doing it because what they have to say leads us systematically and helpfully through the truth of God's Word. And I'm doing it to also help you see that these old confessions that we love or we should love, they're far more than quaint, dusty relics from a bygone era with little relevance to the year 2019. These confessions are faithful and accurate Summaries of biblical truth and of the faith of the gospel. And because the Bible hasn't changed, these confessions remain as reliable, as helpful, and helpful as the day they were written. And you see, it's being assured of these unchanging and foundational truths that keeps Christians and keeps churches. And will stop you from ever being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes your way. Some would like to portray these old confessions, those who esteem them as being rooted in the past. It's very wrong. It's got nothing to do with being rooted in the past. It's got everything to do with being rooted in the truth. It's all about remaining rooted in the Bible. Now, before I get to the actual topic of perseverance, let me very briefly deal with this word, saints, the perseverance of the saints. Uh, You might have remembered that in our reading in Colossians, it's one of the words that Paul uses in his introduction to all the saints, who are there, the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, he says. The saints. Well, forget images of cherubic-faced icons with halos drawn all around their heads and all that kind of nonsense. The word saints is employed 64 times in the New Testament, chiefly by the Apostle Paul. He nearly always uses it in the plural, saints. He uses it as a collective noun, For the people of God, on one occasion, he uses it in the singular, saint. But even then, he's actually using it to speak of all believers. He says in Philippians, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The word means those who are made sacred in salvation and consecrated, set apart to God. And who are? In the words of the Baptist Confession, as it starts to address the topic of perseverance, this is how, he, how, how they described saints, those whom God has accepted in Christ and effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit. To them, He has given the precious faith that pertains to all His elect. And in that description, you will recognize some of the doctrines that we've studied previously already in this series So what does this doctrine teach? What is the perseverance of the saints? Why is it that Paul said in Colossians, if you continue? Well, if you're a Christian, you will persevere in the faith to the end of your earthly life for three reasons. Number one, because God will keep you. Because God will keep you. In the confession, we read these words The persons to whom these blessings have been imparted can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace. In other words, you'll never lose your salvation. They shall certainly persevere in grace to the end and be eternally saved. For God will never repent of having called them and made gifts to them. It's not wonderful. You will certainly be kept to the end. And the first and most important thing to grasp about this term, the perseverance of the saints, is that actually it has its origins in God, not in you. That makes it very good. That makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? That it has its origins in God. Not in you. That you will persevere is on account of the continuing work of God's grace in your life. We read in Malachi, God says this, I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you're not consumed, sons of Jacob. Because I'm the same always and I'm constant. The God who saved you, The God who made you to be his child is unchanging and faithful and he will keep you and he will preserve you and by his enabling, you will continue with him and you will persevere to the end. You have the promise of Christ on this. In John chapter 10, I give them eternal life. We've considered these verses before in our series. They'll never perish Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The words of Christ here are wonderfully unambiguous. Once he has hold of you, you will be in his hand forever. There's a new Toy Story film coming out. I don't know if you knew. It might not be of interest to some of you. It's number four in the series. And in that series where toys come to life when no one's looking, the one main issue that worries all of the toys more than anything else is that one day, as the children grow up, they will be discarded and played with and loved no longer. The child will one day put them down and never pick them up again. Because the child's moved on to something else. The child's moved on to something new. Something more exciting. As happened in the very first film. As Woody is replaced by Buzz Lightyear. The dread of the arrival of a new toy. And you'll be put down. And discarded. Got news for you. You don't have that that worry with Christ. He's never letting go of you. He'll never put you down. Once he's taken hold of you, you're his forever. That's the basis of your persevering. He will keep you. You're his. That's why Paul could write to the Ephesians, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun that good work in you will, will, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you're his, you're his. Now, of course, none of this guarantees a smooth and trouble-free ride. Our forefathers were realistic and honest enough to recognize that. They said this, many storms may arise. Some of you have known some storms in your life, haven't you? This church has known some storms over the years. Many storms and floods may arise and beat upon the saints, yet they never can be moved from the foundation and rock upon which their faith has been firmly established even if unbelief and Satan's temptations cause them for a time to lose the sight and comfort of the light and love of God. Yet, the unchanging God remains their God. He will certainly keep and save them by His power until they come to the enjoyment of their purchased possession. They are engraven on the palms of His hands Their names have been written in the book of life from all eternity. So bring to mind some of those great truths we've already considered. God knew you and chose you before time began. All of the things said about your salvation make it so clear that this is something that's not intended to be just for a time to get you through a rough patch. Not even just only for this life, but for all of eternity. But that doesn't mean it will be plain sailing. Abraham lied that Sarah was his wife. And then devised his own plan to provide himself with the son that God had promised he would give him. But it wasn't all up for Abraham. David suffered the most calamitous fall from grace when he caved into temptation. But it wasn't all up for David. Peter couldn't believe what he'd done when three times, as Christ was suffering at the hands of the Romans, he denied he even knew him. And how many other examples in the Bible could we turn to? But they were not cast aside. And all was not lost. Why? Because even when they fell into sin, God would not cast off and abandon those who were his. And they were restored to usefulness, which is a point we'll return to later. There will, however, be some who give the appearance of being saints. There will be some who show all the signs of being a genuine believer. And yet, at some point, they fall away, never to return. What do we make of that? Well, what do we read in 1 John and chapter 2? They went out from us. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Could John, an apostle have been mistaken about these believers who they thought were believers but weren't? Yes, even an apostle could have been mistaken. If they had been of us, they would have continued because that's what believers do. That's the whole point of this doctrine. Believers continue. But they went out that they might be made manifest. None of them were of us, those that went out. It wasn't the case that they'd lost their faith. They never had it in the first place. We thought they were of us, said the apostle, but they were not. If they would have been of us, they would have continued with us because that's what true believers do. They continue. But it turns out they were not true believers at all and never had been. It's the parable of the sower. The seed that seems to be growing. But it doesn't endure. It doesn't continue. You can speak to people in churches who will tell you of deacons, elders, pastors. And today, those men are nowhere to be found amongst the Lord's people. We've had them here. It's a reality. It's a very sad and distressing one, but it's a reality. (coughs) If you'd asked Paul in the early days, Paul, tell me about Demas. What would Paul have said? I've got my doubts about him. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Oh, Demas, he'd have said. And he'd have described what a faithful, useful fellow worker in the gospel Demas was. But what does he have to admit about Demas in 2 Timothy? He's gone. Why? Because it turns out the love of the world had never left him. Maybe a bit like Lot's wife. The love of the world had never left him. And I didn't realise none of the disciples had the faintest inkling that Judas was not actually one of them not a clue you see when that happens to people it's important to grasp this it's not that they've given up persevering they never actually began They never actually began. With us, among us, but not of us. So here's an important question. How can you be sure that you won't fall away? Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Use all the means of grace that God has given you. Read your Bible and pray every day. Make sure you're here with the Lord's people whenever the Lord's people are here because you need them and they need you. And it's a command in the scripture not to forsake the Lord's people when they're gathered together because you need them and they need you. And these are things that will help to keep you. These are things that God has given you to help keep you. Keep on keeping on. You're exercising those means of grace right now. And be assured in the promises of God's word. If you're a Christian, you will persevere in the faith to the end of your life. One, because God will keep you. Two, because God intends it to be forever. God intends it to be forever. It says in the confession, the unchangeability, the immutability of the decree of election, it never changes. If you're chosen, you're chosen. Which in its turn depends upon the free and unchangeable love of God, the Father, and all that Christ has done the abiding character of the Spirit's indwelling of the saints. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you and he's there to stay, as we'll see. The divine nature that God has given you is there for good. God has entered into an unchanging covenant with his people, that new covenant established with the shedding of Christ's blood for the forgiveness of sins, God has established that covenant that he intends to keep and it's a covenant that will stand forever. All of these factors, they say, guarantee the certainty and the infallibility of the saints' perseverance. So we read in Jeremiah, God speaking, I'll make an everlasting covenant with them. I will not turn away from doing them good. I'll put my fear in their hearts So that they will not depart from me. You're safe in this covenant of grace because God intends it to be forever for you. This is the beating pulse of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, and it's glorious. It's wonderful. An everlasting covenant, I will not turn away from doing them good. God intends your salvation to be in him and with him forever. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Speaking, of course, of the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you. What's the next word? What's the next word? Forever. Forever. I will give you the Holy Spirit. He will abide with you forever, is the promise. If you're a Christian, is the Holy Spirit dwelling within you? Yes. How long is he going to remain there? Forever. Who gave you that promise? Jesus. There is the beating pulse of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. You are his forever. A few verses later in John 14, Jesus says this, A little while longer, the world will see me no more. You will see me. Because I live, you will live also. See the contrast in that verse? Some will see Christ no more, but you will see him. Set against those who at some point will cease to see Christ, you will never cease to see him. Never. Because you're in him forever. Christ equates your life with his life. Because I live, says Jesus, you will live also. He lives in the power of an endless life. So you do too, if you're in him and united with him. There's the beating pulse of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. It's all wrapped up in God and in Christ. All through the Bible, the picture is of God calling in his chosen ones, gathering in the sheep of his flock, redeeming them from their sins, renewing them by the work of his Holy Spirit. And in doing this, He's making them to be forever citizens of his eternal kingdom. If you're in it, you're in it forever. And you will continue to the end. You see, God doesn't just shake us up a little bit and then say, well, let's wait and see who makes it and who doesn't. That's not what this doctrine's about. Who will make it to the end and who won't make it to the end? Let's wait and see. On that basis, God would end up with a very empty kingdom. None of us would make it to the end, if that's how it worked. I hope this glorious doctrine is starting to get you a bit excited. It should do. And it should make you want to live your life as a Christian very seriously and very earnestly. See, if you're a Christian, you will persevere in the faith to the end of your earthly life because God will keep you and because God intends it to be forever. And finally, because in the genuine saint, stumbling and sin will always give way to repentance. Always. The Confession says this in various ways. The temptations of Satan and of the world, the striving of indwelling sin to get the upper hand, the neglect of the means appointed for their preservation. Saints may fall into fearful sins, may even continue in them for a time. That's a description of what we might call backsliding. You will persevere, but you won't be perfect, and you'll have your ups and downs, and you'll have your struggles. In fact, it's possible to be a Christian, and for a time, you might actually give every every appearance of going backwards instead of forwards. We've already acknowledged that in the Bible there are many examples of believers who grieved the Lord because of sin in their lives, but they were still His. They were still His, and He kept them. If you do have inconsistencies in your life as a Christian, and you know you do... Those things will, of course, have an impact on your faith. They will, of course, have an impact on your Christian walk. Of course they will. The confession talks about we incur God's displeasure when we sin as his children. Of course we do. We grieve his Holy Spirit as his children when we fall into sin. Of course we do. We diminish the comfort of our own faith. We put ourselves through all kinds of turmoil and trouble of conscience when we sin as the Lord's people. Of course we do. Some have caused scandal amongst the Lord's people by their sins. And sometimes God has to bring chastisement against us in order to correct us and rebuke us and restore us again and to bring us to a place of repentance. But if you belong to him, you will come back to him. Sometimes your sin may incur severe consequences that you have to continue to live with. Sometimes it might limit the extent of future service you may have. For example, a man because of sin might disqualify himself from ever being able to serve as a deacon or an elder in a church because of his sin. When David fell from grace, it was particularly severe because it was a very serious chain of sin that he fell into, adultery, followed by murder. It doesn't get much more heinous than that. He was in a position of example. He was in a position of leadership and he catastrophically failed in both areas. And David had consequences in his life because of his sin. He's told by God, because of this deed, you've given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child who's been born to you is going to die. It's going to be tough in certain areas now, David, because of your sin. But God hasn't abandoned him, hasn't forsaken him. And David speaks of the the great turmoil of soul, that his own sin brought upon himself. Psalm 32, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Day and night, your hand, God's hand, was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. They were awful days for David because of his sin. But if you belong to Christ, it will only be for a time. repentance will be renewed and they'll be preserved in Christ and so that same David we hear in Psalm 51 don't we on his knees before his God crying out in the confession of his sin and in repentance pleading for God's forgiveness and for God's renewing grace and God gave it because that's what God does when those who are his return in repentance did God hear and answer David of course he did Isaiah says this you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness you, who remembers you in your ways you are indeed angry for we have sinned In these ways we continue. We need to be saved. Do not be furious, O Lord. Remember not our iniquity forever. Please look. We are all your people. And those who belong to the Lord, when we stumble, when we fail, when we let him down, when we let his people down, He'll bring us back, put us back in that place of repentance that we might be restored again. Of course, as Paul reminds us, this doesn't give us license to play fast and loose with sin just because you think you can fall back on God's grace. Certainly not, the apostle said. How can we continue in sin any longer? And if you're someone who's not only tempted to flirt with sin, but does flirt with sin. If even right now you know you're flirting with sin, be very careful that you don't expose the fact that actually you're just another Demas. Take the opportunity today to repent and to get it right with the Lord. Because the comfort in this great doctrine is that for a while, if you are caught up in sin, the Lord will bring you back to himself if you belong to him. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, wrote the Apostle John to Christian people. Perhaps as a believer here this morning, that's precisely where you are right now. If that's the case, in your heart, Confess your sin before the Lord. Seek his forgiveness again. Sin no more and be assured again this morning that you are his child. The gospel records the turmoil that Peter went through. So many of us see a lot of ourselves in Peter, don't we? What an encouragement it is to have his, record, his story recorded in the gospels for us. Matthew 26 recalls, those events where Peter three times denied Christ. He began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Luke 22 records this, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered Christ's words. And he went out and wept bitterly. But there was repentance and there was forgiveness for Peter. He was restored. And before all of that happened, before all of that happened, here's what's recorded in Luke 22. Jesus, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen the brethren because all through that tumultuous night and the days that followed and the guilt that racked Peter's soul all was well in Christ and he was restored and forgiven once more because those who belong to Christ continue to the end You, like Peter, even in your times of sin and failing, are firmly held in Christ's hand and, like Peter, will be brought to repentance and restoration. He says to the Ephesian church, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit has sealed you for that day of Christ's return you're secure, you're safe in Christ. And so when we read of Paul the other week in 2 Timothy 4, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me in heaven the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but all who've loved and are waiting for his appearing. When you read that, you too can say with absolute confidence in your soul, yes, that will be me. Why? Because you know from God's word that God will keep you. You know from God's word that God intends it to be forever. And you know from God's word that in one who belongs to Christ, stumbling and sin will always give way to repentance and forgiven, forgiveness and to restoration. You hear Peter speaking of the inheritance reserved in heaven for you, and your heart leaps for joy. Yes, my inheritance too. And onwards you press for Christ.